Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome, everyone joining us, both online and in person. <clears throat> I want to give you a moment to center yourself as we practice the rule of life in silence and solitude. Yes. Um, to drown out all the noise taking place in our lives externally and internally. So will you bow your heads with me? I'm just going to give you 30 seconds to, in the quiet, reflect. Let's exhale. Everything weighing you down today, this week, this season, bring it to the feet of the Lord. Lay it before His feet. And inhale the promise of His sweet presence in His word, in His hand, when you need it most. The world will be constantly changing, but he never, he's the only constant. Hold on to his hand. Sarah Young, Jesus listens, cherished Lord Jesus. While I sit quietly in your presence, please fill my heart and mind with thankfulness This is the most delightful way to spend time with you. When my mind needs a focal point, I can gaze at your love poured out for me on the cross. I need to remember that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate me from your love. This remembrance builds a foundation of gratitude in me, a foundation that circumstances cannot shake. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's put this picture up here. La La Land. How many people saw it? Raise your hands if you have. If you haven't, what are you doing with your life? La La Land 2016 swept most of award season in the Academy Awards, the Oscars. They won for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Coach Ryan Gosling, lost again, like he always does, in a leading role, but it's okay. Um, What I really loved about Damon Chazelle's vision in La La Land is how he turned the notion of love on its head. Rather than the usual sentimentality of love being for one's own happy ending, 
As C.S. Lewis once observed, says Hell's vision, it's a, it's a commitment to the other, even at one's own expense. Ryan Gosling loses the girl because he goes out of his way to help her achieve her dream. In a rom-com, the reward of loving selfishly, altruistically, and in a powerful, poignant way, is to get the girl. Tell someone next to you, get the girl. You're supposed to get the girl, but not Ryan, not Sebastian. He loses the girl. Mia doesn't fall in love with Sebastian's hair, played by Ryan Gosling, which I think the, the Academy should have a category for hair. Ryan Gosling's hair, I admire. And Ryan Gosling, I think, was cuter, better looking than Emma Stone in La La Land. Do you agree? It's like the, it's like the Korean dramas. The guys is always prettier than the girl. Ryan Gosling was. But Mia doesn't fall in love with Ryan Gosling's hair or his polyester suit, but she steals a glimpse of his soul. His fierce commitment to her and her flourishing. That's how she falls in love. The million dollar question today, is it, is it possible to see into someone's soul? Look, in, look at the person next to you, look into their soul. Can you see their soul? No, you can see what they're wearing. It's abstract, the soul. Where is the soul? Well, partially, I mean, Disney tried to take a play on the soul. The soul is eternal. So it's here and actually also over there. It's beyond this world. And if you think of time, as sinuous rather than linear, well, we could go into time theory, but let's not. But why it's so elusive to see it. But just like in spring when the flowers bloom and wither, you can catch a glimpse. Tell someone a glimpse. Tell someone a, a glimpse. Just a glimpse. You'll be like, that's uncomfortable, a glimpse. That's how we fall in love with people. We don't fall in love with the superficiality, the outward appearance. That might draw interest. That might compel us to say, oh, you're cool. No, you fall in love with someone, not just romantically, but just even as friends, even your own kids, when you get a glimpse of their soul. And you'll see it when, when it's unguarded and most edited. If it's without guile and pure, or something pernicious behind it. Because a soul is not always beautiful. But in La La Land, Ryan Gosling's soul and his commitment to Mia is pure, even at his own expense, which is, has a double irony because Emma Stone wins the Oscars, and Gosling doesn't, because he elevates her, even in real life. In a similar way, 
Jesus uses a similar literary device to show just a glimpse of his father's heart. To religious people in his day that lost their way from the heart of God. They got the actions right, the externals, the piety, the religion, the dogma, but they were a million miles away from the heart of God. And in this device, which we call parables, Jesus creates an evocative glimpse into the soul of his father and into the soul of the religious leaders of his day, confronting using a mirror to see yourself and where you are with God. Because in many ways, the religious leaders, the Pharisees of this time, used God as in a utilitarian framework. They loved God for what he brought them, status, prestige, important significance. Not because they loved God for who he was. Sometimes, as you attend church, that's what happens to churchgoers and people who attend church. Sometimes you check off the list of religion, but you begin to slowly and subtly move away from the heart of God. So today, I think it's important in order to fall in love with God, not for what he gives you, not what he's done for you, not just the cross, but for who he is. And Jesus' answer for that is to get just a glimpse, a glimmer of the heart of God for us. When you see a glimpse of the eternal Father, the Father heart of God, everything about your relationship changes because it's not about the blessing. As A.B. Simpson used to say, it's not, first it was the blessing, but now it is the Lord. Today's message is about falling in love for God, for who He is and not what He brings and not what He gives and not what He provides as we lose our way. The focal point is back to who God is and his heart for us. And so today, the question I want to answer is, how can you catch a glimpse of the father's heart in the parable of the prodigal son? So let's turn to the text here. And so Jesus creates a literary device which called parables. Jesus taught through it in the New Testament. And he says, I will... Uh, set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, this is very important. Anytime scripture uses the word, but a transitional statement, it's important to pay attention to those details. So the prodigal son living in debauchery and wild living, who once 
told his father, I want my inheritance now before you die, which means you're dead to me. What I want is a utilitarian relationship with you. I want a transactional relationship. I want to do what I want to do now. I don't care if you're alive. You're dead to me. Give me the money you're going to give me in the end. It's a form of atheism in a way. When I want to live the way I want to live, I don't care about you. I want to do what I want to do. So he comes back home when he's broke. And verse 20 is poignant and and important to pay attention to because it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Now that detail is very important. Even before he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. It means that the prodigal son, what? While he was walking home, while he was contemplating this pious and totally unsincere repentance prayer, he recited, almost as an actor, his father was already there waiting for him. This means that the father in this story waited every day for his son. There's something about the heart of God where he does, he's gentle and kind. A lot of people picture the father heart of God and God himself as this tyrant, as this immutable force that dominates people. But when you see the heart of Jesus telling the story about his father, he's a gentle soul. He doesn't use his agency to manipulate, to coerce the son. No, he hopes and prays that he returns. But he's not going to force him back home. He respects his agency and autonomy. And that's something important to know because Jesus' whole mission of coming to the earth, John 14, 6, it says, I have come, what? So you can come to the Father through me. No one can come to the Father through me, Jesus says. I have come so that you can see the Father. Jesus says this many times in the New Testament. In Jesus, you see the Father heart of God. So the Father was waiting every day. How long? We don't know. Months, years. One of the things I hold most dear in my memory bank, in my own life, as my father has passed away now, about a decade ago, is some of the memories that I would, I would always want to remember. And in the third grade, out of the blue, my dad says, it was near Christmas, he said, let's go for a ride. And you know, in typical Asian American household, there's no strolling, you know? There's no like, let's go get ice cream kind of thing. We didn't do that kind of thing. It was all task-driven. You know, I'll drop you off school or, you know, uh, the academy, the, you know, tutoring. There's no, no, no leisure time. But this day in the third grade, my dad said, let's go for a ride, which I thought was really odd. You guys probably remember if it's odd. And I thought it's really odd. So we go and my dad parks the car at a place that I knew really well because I would stop by this store every day almost as a kid and it was the video game store where they sold my 
greatest heart desire was the Sega Genesis with Sonic the Hedgehog. You guys remember him? And we go into the store. And I'm like, Dad, why are we going in here? And he's, you know, typical Asian dad, doesn't want me to play video games. But when you're 10, video games is your life. And he said, go, go pick out, you know, the game system you want. And I was like, he planned this? I mean, my dad was like, you know, he wasn't really, I never considered him thoughtful or considerate. Like he planned things. Like that's, that's moved me more than the game system. And that day he paid for that. And I played all day, all night during the break. But what I remember about that day is the thought behind the present more than anything else. That's my ultimate memory of my dad. And there are a few others, but that's because he went out of his way to communicate something to me. You matter to me. I care about the things you care about. I was like, wow. Even when I think about it today, it's amazing. When someone does something they normally don't do. This is what Mother Teresa says about thoughtfulness. put it up there. Thoughtfulness is the beginning of the great sanctity. If you learn this art of being thoughtful, you will become more and more like Christ. For his heart was meek, and he always thought of others. Our vocation to be beautiful must be full of thought for others. How can you get a glimpse catch a glimpse of the Father heart of God in this parable? First lesson we learn. Read with me. Pay what? Close attention to what? The little details. Small gestures. Gestures are more powerful than the event itself, just like memories are more powerful than the actual event because you can reflect on it. Right? The only difference from the sacred and the humdrum is our memory. For me, this is sacred because of the thought behind my father. And in many ways, he was like Christ because he thought of me to love me this way. And if you look at this text, it's that, that the father was awaiting for his son, his lost son. If you want to fall in love with God and you want to really pass this dogmatic religious life, you have to catch a glimpse of the Father's heart for you and me. Can you, I mean, think about this. The God of the universe thinks about you. I mean, that blows my mind. The one that created this almost infinite space puts thought into how he communicates to us. When you think about not what just a father has done for us, he gave his son for us. It's time, as A.B. Simpson says, first it was the blessing, but now it is the Lord. I pray that that transition would take place. You would see the father heart of God. 
Let's move down. There's something even more important in this text. Catching a glimpse of the Father's heart. In verse 20, right, he, he rehearses this prayer. So he got up and went to his father while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. Now, when you read that he ran, it doesn't seem like much, but in ancient Middle East, you don't run as a man. It's considered shameful. And my father used to walk like this with his hand behind the back because that's very Eastern. You're supposed to walk slow. You're supposed to be what? Poised and like a sage, like wise. You don't do anything in haste. In the Middle East, men don't run for any reason. Not even for supper. This small detail about him running is something that's a particular device that Jesus uses in the parable. People who've heard it in ancient Near East must have been shocked that a father with two sons who was wealthy would run to a son that lived in debauchery to receive him back. It was a scandalous idea. But it shows you something about the heart of the father in unedited moments. He wasn't performing for his servants or others or the neighbors. This was simply, what, his soul on display. You saw it for what it was. You saw the unedited version of the heart for his son. It's so important to catch those moments about God the father or anyone else, the unedited moments, the reactions of people heart for us. Whether it's sometimes ugly or beautiful, but here, the son saw something that he probably would never see again, his father running towards him, even though he lived in debauchery. Now, as a father myself, in contrast, I see these things in my son, and I use my oldest son a lot, so today I want to use my younger son. My younger son serves tag teams with tuna at the cafe and delivers all the coffee, all the orders of everyone who sets up at our church and he delivers. He says that's his job. That's his, he does that every Sunday. One Sunday he woke up late and his mom leaves first. They leave together to serve and set up. And he woke up late and my wife said to him, gave him an out of serving. And said, Josh, you can stay here with your brother, your lazy dad and your lazy brother, and come late with them. You could just, you know, you, I don't think you're feeling that well anyway. Why don't you just like sleep a little more? And so these unedited moments, these environments in which where you see someone's unedited propensity, where, where their heart really lies. If I was a kid, I'd be like, okay, because you still have approval. You have a great excuse for not showing up that day. But Josh said, no, mom, just let me get ready in 10 minutes. I have a job. There I am observing this unedited moment of, of a true heart, of something that he actually wants. He wants to serve people. He goes, I have to go, mom. I have to talk to Debbie. I have to talk to Tuna. I have to talk to these people. And I have to, they rely on me to take these orders. 
in, in, in many other conversations, when it comes to service, this 10-year-old says, Dad, you know I love God, right? What? Yeah, I love God. See, you didn't you just all fall in love with Josh again? You heard a story about something that he wasn't performing and he wasn't pretending. That's the unedited self. That's the true self. You saw the soul, a glimpse. And here in this text, the father, when he ran, you saw a glimpse of his heart for his son. And so a lot of times we miss those details in and out of church, fulfilling the list. We miss those powerful, poignant moments that really make us fall in love. See God's heart for you today. Wherever you might be in your life, whatever you might be going through, wherever you might be, he's waiting for you. And when you want him, he will run to you. There comes a part, um, there comes a time in the Christian life where, like, like Simpson says, we grow in maturity when we pass the stage where God is just a utilitarian parental provider and we begin to see how beautiful the heart of God actually is and we fall in love with him. Tell someone next to you a glimpse. How many of you need a glimpse of the Father's heart today? How many of you need to peek and get that glimpse, steal a glimpse? That's how you fall in love with anyone, but especially the greatest one, the most beautiful one, the Father's heart. The problem with the church today, as spiritual writer Thomas More once said, the great malady of this age is the loss of soul. We don't fall in love with superficiality because the soul is eternal and the soul is deep, deeper than eternity itself. The soul falls in love with soul. The problem is, as Richard Foster says here, the problem of our age, superficiality is the curse of our age, the doctrine of instant gratification. Instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of, number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for the deeper people. Today, as we close, the question I have for us is, how close is your heart to the heart of God? Have you drifted? 
Has our relationship with the Father become a religion, a dogma? We do the right things, but have lost the right heart. All you need is a glimpse to see how beautiful God is again, and everything changes. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. So I'll stand and pray together. In the gospel, in the age of psychology, where schema therapy, psychotherapy takes center stage of reparenting the, the trauma that most of us experienced when we were kids, the greatest news of the gospel, the greatest apologetic for why you want to be in relationship with Jesus is to know the heart of God, the Father heart of God of all creation. In the gospel, we are reparented, reshaped from the family of origin, and given what we need most, unconditional love. If you're in therapy, and most of the people in the world are, that's because of the somatic trauma of not being loved. And our parents in their own psychosocial factors are broken as well. But with the Father, the Bible tells us that He loves us perfectly, that God is love. We find healing. And we're provided for emotionally places that we've been deprived. Let me tell you, there's nothing more profound in Christianity than God not being a God of wrath or angry at you, but a God that waits for you and runs to you. Today, I, will you lift your hands with me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for this revelation of the love of God, the love of the Father, to get a glimpse of the heart of God for you. Once you see the heart of God for you, pump. Move. Run to you. Everything about your relationship will change. Father, I want to pray today in the name of Jesus that you would release a profound revelation of Ephesians 1. that all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, in the universe, and outside of it has been given to us in Christ because of His great love for us. I pray today the unconditional love of the Father will be released to you in a degree you never experienced right now. Let's make this our prayer. I have a Father.
Jesus says to his disciples, if those of you who know how to good give as fathers who are evil knows how to good give good gifts to your children, will not the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Would he give him a scorpion and not bread? For those of us that struggle especially with deprivation. Deprivation, the needs that were not met by our highest paternal figures in our lives. Where they fell short, whether physically, emotionally, spiritually. Whether good or bad, to whatever degree. In the gospel, the Father reparents us, heals us, and gives us everything we need. His perfect love, that's the Father's love, casts out all fear. And I pray today that we would learn to grow in maturity to express our needs to God the Father. Now, some of us cope by drinking too much. Some of us cope in other ways, eating too much. We call these the less wild lovers, right? We're looking for relief because of the deprivations in our lives. Or you're a control freak about how you want your coffee or your eggs. You yell at the people who mess up your steak. We're meticulous in particular about these external things, but very vague about the internal life. The Father says, I want you to tell me in meticulous detail what you need, what you're afraid of, what you're mad about, what you're sad about. And because what we learn in this passage in the details, He'll wait for you and run to you. So He knows this tension between when we need space and when we need him to jump into action. That's really 
the annoying part of parenting. Sometimes I yell when I shouldn't, and I don't yell when I should. It's really frustrating. And then you apologize. But for the father, he's perfect. He knows when to give you space, and he knows when to come in. So, Father, we pray that we wouldn't miss this beautiful invitation of the gospel that Jesus says, I have come purely to show you the Father. And the only way to the Father is through me, Jesus says. The way, the truth, and the life. And I bless you today in Jesus' name a journey to know the Father's heart of God for you. And I pray it changes everything. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. So the first off is how we can give. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we want to remind you to keep God in the center of your life and finances. You can give at Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. And if you're visiting, welcome. You're our guest. There's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to give, you're welcome to do so at the methods above. Our next announcement is about Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG. You can find on there beautiful images and captions to brighten up your feed and provide some encouragement for you throughout the week. This is a great way for us to keep God's word in our lives and to learn more about who he is, so we invite you to follow along. And next, more ways we can connect. We have a number of different profiles and pages on social media. We have our Facebook page at 180 Church. We have our Twitter, Dr. Sammy's Twitter, at um, Dr. Sammy Kim. Our YouTube is 180 Church NYC, which I know many are watching on right now. Hi, guys. And we have three Instagram handles, 180 Church, 180BRG, which I mentioned, and 180 Fellowship. We just invite you to follow along on all these different resources and share with your friends and family as well. And next, another way we connect is through small group. So small groups are a place where we can slow down and reflect on what we hear on Sunday in community. We have various groups for different stages of life and some meet on Zoom or any other virtual platform and others meet in person. So feel free to ask any of the greeters in 180 shirts for times and locations if you'd like to get plugged in. Next, we have some resources at the cafe available for you. So we have some devotionals to help us connect with God on the daily. And we have Doc's new book, A Holy Haunting, that can help you and others connect with God. So we just want to invite you guys to check those out, and the prices are listed on the screen. And while you're at the cafe, you can check out some 180 swag. You can now be super comfy and represent home here. And um, you can just pick one of those up there. And for the books and the swag, it's um, you just pay by an honor system through the methods I mentioned earlier. We also have our prayer text hotline at 5397-PRAYER. If there's anyone or anything in your life that you want to request prayer for, you can submit it there and there will be a team praying in confidentiality for you. 
And we also have our house of prayer that meets on Sundays in the theater here at one, oh, sorry, at 11.45 before service. And this is where we can just come and prepare our hearts before service as Pastor Lydia leads that time. Next, if you're looking for ways to serve in the community, we're looking for some volunteers in a number of areas. So if you like making coffee, you can join the 180 Cafe and wake people up literally and spiritually. Um, if you like little ones, you can help our littlest members get to know the love of Jesus better at Sunday school. And for any techies, you can come help us build really cool stuff online. And we're always looking for greeters. If you'd like to be a friendly face to others, you can come welcome new and old faces in our community. You can see any of the greeters in 180 Swag and they'll help you get connected if you'd like to get plugged in. And lastly, but not least, um, Lent is starting this week with Ash Wednesday. So we just want to remind and invite everybody to start thinking and reflecting about what you'd like to fast and pick up this Lent season. All right, those are all of our announcements today. 